and we'll hand the pot spirit behind me. Well, that sounds like an introduction, doesn't it? Welcome to the podcast. Two hand of pod one oh, I'm losing count. Three. I'm Sam Kelly. You've already heard English dance voice. Hello and welcome. We're we're back in his uh, bedroom this week, um, and welcome to Joel Richards. Uh, Lovely to be we're... back here and battle through the, the Buenos Aires traffic just uh, to be here for. <laughs> we got a car, uh, Joel. Yeah, we have an Amazon top five author in our list. Top, in top our four, mate. Top four. Top five sounds slightly less like you're trying to <laughs> impress. Point out where. No, yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's when the, the Hand of Pod listeners all, all downloaded, so thank you very much for everyone who did. Um, and if you didn't, the, re- the rest of you, then, you know, get, get on it because yeah. it's still there. I'd have thought it would take a few more than 12 downloads to make it, but um, <laughs> there you go. Congratulations, Joel. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Joel's book on the history of the Super Classico. Although it no longer serves as a, a preview, if you will, to Saturday's match, it does serve as a. Uh, as a book on the history of the Super Classic, yeah, well, it wasn't really written as a preview. Well, exactly, it's not, it's not a preview at all, it's just, uh, but it, what it does yeah. do is takes, it took the most recent, at the time, obviously, Super Classico, between the two, but um, but no, it's, it's not a preview, it is meant to be a standalone, the fact that it came out just, obviously, the weekend of the Super Classico is not a coincidence, but, um, as I said, it's a, it's a standalone, and hopefully it'll read for years to come. I think what we can <laughs> definitely say is, if there's ever a second edition... The last game isn't going to go down as one of the classics. No, no absolutely. Nice and we might as well start talking about that. Seg- yeah, I like that segue. Um, plenty of talking points, but not exactly for all the right reasons. That's no, God, um, what a shocker. Certainly not on the pitch, although one major one that was a uh, talking point on the pitch was Manuel Lancini's uh, goal after 43 seconds or 45 seconds, one of the two, but it's the fastest goal in Super Classical history. Um, Taking over, I think, the Ledes, yeah, record last year for, what, two years, I think, 50 seconds in the season that River went down, if I remember rightly, also in La Bombonera. Um, no. No, it was before that, because Ledes has been in Europe for a bit. 2005, I believe. That long ago, really? Yeah. That long ago. I was going to go over 2007. I heard it. Was, <laughs> yeah, it could be. I it, it'll be there or thereabouts. Yeah. But, but it wasn't the one that River went down, because he was in no. um, Italy. Catania, right? Of, co- of course. Yes. Of course, he was in Italy. Um, of course, Catania. Of course, as, as all Argentines are. Yes. We pause. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. I saw it in 2007. I can remember it so clearly. I could have sworn it was one I was looking at. There's a bit of research going on there. Um, There you go. Anyway, um, so Lancini. I I, I must admit, I'd completely confused him because Lancini's grown. He's taller. In fairness. And I was sure it was Finnish. I I noticed you do that on Twitter as well, but in fairness, I was watching the YouTube clip again last night of Mm. the, of the highlights of the games. And the commentators said Funes Mori just just before he headed it. When the cross went in, they said Funes Mori's there. It's a goal. And, uh, uh, I mean, so double, I'll double, double whammy. Both <laughs> Raúl putting me off, and yeah. um, and the fa- but he has look, Lancini has grown. He's taller than he. Yeah. He, he was quite he was quite diminutive little playmaker. Yeah, he's looking a bit bulky now. Yeah, yeah. yeah but this is what they have to do. They did the same with Lamela. Lamela yep. was was a rake for, now he's for a quite a few years. Now he's a looks like Ronaldo. So uh, yeah, but after obviously it was very much downhill. River should have taken a two goal lead. Arguably a three-goal lead. Arguably a three-goal lead. 
I think definitely with the second. The no, Suns definitely missed the... When they were, they were on top. Mm. And, um, and I think it showed that they, they didn't take that. And at half-time, a little bit of the uh, bit of fear factor. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. Uh, what happened was that Carlos Sanchez, first of all, no. uh, Zombie's coming Sally. in to join us. He's going to be right. Zombie's not coming in to join us. Down to push him away. Uh, Carlos Sanchez... Uh, just narrowly failed to put the finishing touch on a fantastic team move from, from River. It would have been a, a golasso if it had gone in, but it just went the wrong side of the post. Um, and Pocket's got as well, to be, to be fair. I know Pocket yeah, nice don't have much sympathy nice in this room, but it was a very nice goal from Boca. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, Vita was excellent for yeah. in creating it. Uh, just quickly on Sanchez, no. after credit where it's due, I mean, he did put in the first decent cross of the season, which led to Lancini's goal. So... Um, Bit of a shame he hasn't done more than four River Plate, of course. But um, but no credit. But as you said, yeah. I think you wonder what's going on with the players' uh, nerve there and whether they're up for the big occasion. You know, but um, but you're right about the Boca goal as well. It was it was a decent yeah. goal, nice team goal. Well, I actually thought the first half was um, was a pretty decent half of football. The yeah, second half yeah. was diabolical. It seemed like in the dressing room, both teams just decided that they had more to lose and to gain them for going for the match. So they just. Both sort of settled for a point. No, absolutely. It's, you know, I don't know if you guys had any other view on it, but it seemed like that for me. Both teams agree. were just scared. Of, you know. Of well, the, well, the thing there, is, there was a rather bizarre well, comment at one point during the. I think it was about halfway through the second half. One of the co-commentator um, came out with the line that River really need this win a lot more than Boca do, uh, and you thought, I mean, a lot is peculiar. Okay, River are trying to keep up with the title race, but the fact yeah. that Boca failed to win it means that they're now eleven league games without a win, which is. Out on its own now as, as the longest win. No, I think I'd agree with that, and I'll, um, I'll tell you why. Go because technically, and kind of, yeah, in, in the league sense, River needed to win, you know, to keep up with Lanús, Newells, right at the top. Uh, the three points. Yeah. At this point, every every game needs to be won if they're going to go for the championship. Whereas Boca, they needed not to lose because they know that the league now is is a write off. They've they've played against um, River now, but. They got San Lorenzo next week, which again is always a big match for for Boca. So those com- those two games are important, but in a sense, like there's no need for them to get points. They just couldn't lose at home to River. That that was the key, here. and and they didn't. So yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think, I think, yeah, I think uh, in that kind of sense, like you could say that River needed the win, but Boca just really needed not to lose. Yeah. Also, a lot of people were always trying to say, oh, you know, it's going to be a rubbish game because neither want to neither want to win it. I mean, that painting wasn't the case. Certainly, in the first half. And it does beg the question what went on at half-time and in the second half. Obviously, on the hour mark, there were problems, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. But in the first half, both sides went for it. River, as we said, I mean, scored fastest goal ever. Should have been 2 up, definitely. Perhaps even 3. And, uh, and Boca had a couple of chances. But Boca are very poor at the moment. We can't, yeah. There's no hiding it. So it's not about you know, whether or not they're just playing for a draw. They're not really in a position to. They're playing exactly. not, to, not, to uh, lose. Not, not to lose. But, but obviously, we all know that for both these sides, what this means, this game represents is, is is a springboard for the rest of the season. Yeah. So um, you know this idea that neither really were happy just to play out a draw. You know I'm, I'm never quite sure about because it makes such a difference to to the season. And as we said, the first half River were were pretty pretty attacking. I mean with all again with all the problems, similar problems to Boca and, and lack of quality, lack of ideas, lack of cohesion. Um, but the second half was dire. Oh, it really was evil. Can we think of anything? 
of note that happened on on the pitch between no. touchline and goal line well, in the second half. To technically, it was on the pitch when they threw fireworks at Barreda. <laughs> yes, this is one thing. Um, and, and so, what Joel mentioned uh, just a minute or two. Of course, Diaz getting sent off, but that yeah, no, which happened, happened first? Diaz got sent off, and then that seemed to kind of kick off the yeah. business, didn't it? That um, kind of spot. I don't know if it kicked off because it seemed like the way it, all the let's say trouble or whatever. Uh, started right on the hour mark it kind of had that sort of look of being pre-planned for that time it did very much didn't it the Boca head of security yeah, was briefly yeah, shown with his arms crossed just that. sort of yeah. impassive look on his face don't really care about this Yeah, and you get the impression this has been planned to some extent and then afterwards you have Matthias Caruso Boca Juniors defender coming out and saying um uh, Diaz orchestrated his own sending off to break up our rhythm because we were starting to get on top of the match there which is laughable I mean neither of the sides were starting to get on top of the match at all um, <laughs> they were dying <laughs> and, and, yet, and yet there's very much this sort of feeling certainly in, in, in the press um, and people connected to certainly to River and I think to some extent to Boca that maybe Boca's hierarchy had, had, had a word with Ladosse and said just, just knock them out of the rhythm a bit in the second half and around about the hour mark we want you to, to start doing this and so we were getting pyrotechnics being thrown onto the pitch phenomenal amounts of smoke and, and yeah. noise fans climbing up on the fence which is a safety issue that means the referee has to stop the game until the fans are, have climbed back down again and also an illegal banner an illegal banner you say yeah, yeah, yeah the one that said was it arriba te fuiste a la vez por puto oh, yes. y cagón for being a bunch of puffers mm. um, yeah for being cowardly faggots yeah um, yeah, basically, you know, it's yeah, against no, the it's, rock, yeah, it's for being too inflammatory. We should yeah. mention, right, that this this wasn't an illegal banner for for its content. It was an illegal banner because of the size. Yeah, yeah. it was one yes, banner. Ah, oh, that's true. It's in capital. <laughs> yeah, we uh, don't have so that. Before I think the content as well is too inflammatory. I don't think. They yeah, can have I don't that. know how I don't know how much they can how much they look at the language and such, yeah. and, and such because it's something you can't really measure as such. But uh, unless you just ban words, which then veers into other territory. But um, yeah. but the, the I mean the flares are. are Banned because yeah. of, I mean, as we all know. Yeah, we should mention this. You know, we're talking about basically if we skip ahead a little bit, the upshot is that Boca at the moment have the two lower tiers of the Bombonera Popular band or yeah. like closed down by the authorities. And now they're investigating if there was kind of um, collaboration or if there was some sort of connivance with the security authorities and with the club. Which there absolutely was, but when they yeah. find anything, it's another matter. Exactly. And if that is the case, they could have the entire stadium closed down for a month. So that's the upshot. But we should say kind of the whole reason behind yeah, why this is happening is it's not because there was particularly any violence. It was I didn't hear of any, you know, incidentes. No, river were, there was a bit of a run in between the river batter and the police apparently on the way. Yeah, but that, that was this happens yeah. uh, almost every year. But yeah, so this is essentially a technical case for the last what year or so since the Vélez game where they yeah, brought in the pyrotechnics. Yeah, yeah, they were the yeah. Right, I mean, but I mean, they've been banned, obviously. Yeah, they were all the kind of pyrotechnics and flares have been banned and the batter have to go through kind of extensive extensive searches. This is in Capital, not in Provincia. So Racing can still bring in. Well, not in the rest of the country. Yeah, just just in Gabi, yeah. just in yeah. Buenos Aires. So, so, so I mean, in terms yeah. of clubs, we're talking River, Boca, Vélez, Colboys, yeah. Argentinos. Any other primary clubs in Capital that I've missed off? Colboys. Uh, yeah, San Lorenzo. San Lorenzo. San Lorenzo. Of course. Uh, I think that's it. Just the six in in, in just the six. Capital further out. <laughs> just the six. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's sort of a technicality. We shouldn't try and make out that this was to do with you know the things we talk about far too much because they haven't too far too, far too much kind of violence or shootouts it's just 
a technical issue, you, you know. Yeah the, the, yeah, the problem with this is that there's a reason for the bans on flares, and which yeah, yeah. is a massive public yeah, service, which, yeah, which is that issues. if you've got if you've got fifty thousand people in a stadium, yeah. uh, there were fires in both ends, not just at La Loche, but at the opposite end as well, below where the River Plate supporters yeah. were. And the point is that um, it's quite a sensitive issue as well. I mean, um, I know there are quite a few Boca journalists, young journalists who yeah. work for sort of the Boca very Boca page and all that kind of stuff yeah. um, who, who know people who were at Cromagnon which is the, the nightclub yeah. where 194 people were killed because of flares let off yeah. in a public space where there wasn't and also I think it's so about, that, that yeah. is why it is and that is why not, I mean on the one hand you can say oh it doesn't look good and it's part of the, the mythology of yeah. the classicos is this, is this smoke it's like well yeah. yeah but be a good idea not to kill a few thousand and people and I think the actually time. the incident that, that sparked this ban it was actually outside of football if I remember correctly it was a La Ringa concert. Yeah, yeah, right. I think like, either last year or 2011, where someone threw a naval flare, you know, forward after using it, hit um, yeah. hit another concert guy in the head, and he died. So it actually happened outside of football, but it's kind of like a blanket ban that they take yeah, it in, yeah. and you know, in public spectacles, public shows. Well, that's what the ministry is, isn't it? It's for public spectacles yeah, and yeah. sports. Mm-hmm. That's what the, the official, you know, the authorities are that deal with this stuff. Yeah. So, um, but I know that quite a few people who came to the game went to the game did sort of say you know I, I thought it looked great it was amazing it was, it was amazing yeah it, it, makes, it makes it a great it looks good great it looks good yeah. but this is the thing that I think culturally you have to realise that on the one hand culturally it's what they've always done but yeah. on the other hand it's not really viewed as it's like seeing someone smoking on the, other, on the underground in London after the King's Cross fire you know it's just it's not cool it's not good to to, to do so uh, yeah. um, you know you have to think culturally as well what the, the, the context of this is all happening in yeah uh, as we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, we also had firecrackers being thrown at Marcelo Barrovero on a couple of occasions, um, particularly when River were about to defend a corner at one point. Yeah. And you just kind of got the sense, with about a quarter of an hour to go, I think I tweeted, that if this was happening in any other stadium and in any other fixture, the game would have had to have been called off. Then yeah. he said, no, right, we'll, we'll play the next 20 minutes behind closed doors in, in a few days' time or whatever. Yeah. Um, of course, it's the Super Classico, so you can't do that. You've got television from yeah, yeah, around the world. Um, you've got more people tuning in than for any other, probably every other match in Argentine football put together. If you, you know, the global television audience, yeah. or you're getting close at least. Um, but there, there was definitely this kind of feeling that the referee maybe didn't bottle any on-pitch decisions, but did bottle the, the major off-pitch yeah. decisions. Um, Ramon Diaz also, of course, because he's Ramon Diaz and it's the Super Clásico, managed to create his own talking point. Anybody want to tell us what this was? <laughs> Just some fantastic declarations. We've already mentioned that he got himself well, set well, he didn't, Absolutely he didn't, he, brilliant. Well, he hadn't even had time to talk because it was what he, what he did, the gesture as he was being taken off, which was that he, uh, everyone was singing him, obviously, Vos sos de la ve, yeah. and, and he was waving which, his finger saying, means... not me, I mean, you're a second division coach. Yeah. Um, and, and he was waving his finger, not me, not me, I didn't go down. So there's also a debate about whether or not he... he a, um, covered up his nose, which is a classic River Plate taunt at yeah. Boca, which goes back to La Bruna. Thing, yeah. And yeah, saying and La Bruna was is kind of the man who installed this La Bruna, obviously the number one River Plate god of all yeah. time. Um, and and there's a debate about whether Ramon did, did it or not, whether he was just grabbing his nose just as as he was going. So this is this is a bit another thing. But the main thing was that he was saying, "Not me, I didn't go down," yeah. um, which in itself is, I think, very controversial. It's 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 a retort to. To, to Boca's fans which if you're looking at it and you're just looking at it as Ramon Diaz you can 
you can see why he thinks it, but on the other hand, a lot of people in the in the River Plate world have got rather upset about it and seen it as him yeah. distancing himself from the club and so on. Matthias Almeida came out just this afternoon, this evening, and said if, if River got relegated again tomorrow, I'd be happy to go back and be their manager again. Um, strange thing to say. It is a very strange thing to say, and I wonder what Banfield's fans think about it. Now but, um, but, but I think it was a bit weird, but what I thought Enzo Francescoli, obviously another idol at the club, um, said that you know, anyone who's been, yeah. if, 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 you, if you didn't go down to the B, it's because you were somewhere else and not at the club, yeah. you know, being part of it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't gone down at all well by, yeah. by Mr. Ramon Diaz. And then today, you see what he did today? Nice. At his press conference. This, this was fantastic. Tell what? us about it, John. Oh, he threw a bag of lollipops or something, right? He took a load of lollipops into, into, his, uh, into his press conference and, I mean, basically said, you know, our, we didn't beat the... We didn't manage to beat the, the worst Bokka of all time. Which is also a bit of a swipe at his players, really. Um, but the lollipops were for, for what exactly? And he said, these, these are for the Bokka players because yeah. they're a bunch of babies and I hope they, they can keep sucking them, in, in the words of Diego Maradona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's the super classic. He's obviously having fun though. I mean, he's uh, yeah, he's loving it. He's loving oh, yeah. being back in the spotlight. Yeah. Like he's back in River. Like it's where he needs to be. So yeah, bad tackle by Bordisso at the end of it. Straight red. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, We've, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. What like the not not literally the last, but certainly like the penultimate or the third from last kick. It was the deep in the ten twelve minutes of injury time they added. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything yeah. further to add? No, I think it's a very poor game. Didn't. Really live up to expectations, and yeah. but it's a super classic, so we won't have to yeah, talk about it. Olay o- 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 did dedicate; they usually dedicate um, around fifty pages to the super classic. Mm. Only twenty-four, I think. This oh, time. Wow. which yeah. I think I, I mean, I'm sort of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, does also point to the fact that you know they didn't really go to town to it, on yeah. it so much, and and some of the other media were really critical. I mean, I think uh, La Nación headlined the main write-up, um, <laughs> Clásico y Grotesco. <laughs> you know, and just kind of just they're just sick of this this grotesque uh, derby. You know, they're just fed up of it. And you know, in Ole as well, like Fiesta Limite, like, you know, the, the party right on the on the limit on the edge. So there is a bit of a feeling that you know something's got to happen here. But yeah. as you said, it's super classical, so indeed, business as usual. Um, it did at least, of course, actually mean something sort of for the title race this season. Whereas obviously for a few seasons before Rivers' relegation, it. it frequently didn't mean anything at all it was just two mid-table teams playing each other so that's a straw that we can cling to but there were nine other matches this weekend um, and since we've just discussed how it affects River in the title race they, they lost the opportunity to keep the pressure on Lanús and Newell's old boys we may as well now discuss Lanús and Newell's old boys right um, the Super of course was on Sunday uh, Lanús had already played by that point on Saturday afternoon in a game that I was at away to Argentinos Juniors um, a game in which they managed to cut short their run of three consecutive draws and get a, a win again. Silvio Romero scoring two goals. First one with the aid of a deflection. The second one, fantastic. Really, really nice little neat finish on the end of a, a, a really nice move. Um, and Ricardo Carusolo badly was uh, typically sort of pigeon-chested and, and brave about things afterwards. He, he said... Towards the end, we've started to get on top of them, um, which, to be honest, is only true if you take it entirely literally. Um, <laughs> Argentinos got uh, Matias Martinez, former racing man, um, managed to, to get a headed, uh, pull one back with about nine minutes to go, and then Argentinos just spent the, the whole of the last nine minutes just lumping it. Um, by this point, they had about three, three or four men on who were sort of six foot two or, or taller, just 
succession of long balls from the goalkeeper <laughs> and the two full backs into everybody else who was congregating around the edge of the Lanus box. Oh, really good looking to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so a deserved win for Lanus, I thought, in the end, and they, they managed to, to hold on tight. They must have been having a couple of nervous moments um, towards the end, given that they've, like I say, they'd had these three consecutive draws leading up to it. Did either of you manage to catch it? Did you have any impression? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, let's move on in that case to Newell's Old Boys, who played the final match of the weekend last night, as we're, um, as we're talking now, Monday evening. Um, and slightly surprisingly, didn't really play badly. Um, no, was a they were just match. down by two stunning, fantastic goals. Yeah, Dario Benedetto with two golazos in the Arsenal de Sarandí beat Newell's 2-0. And he um, could have had a third. He could have had a third, yeah. Been a- which would have been even more spectacular. Dan, tell us about these fantastic goals. Let me see if I can remember the order. Yeah, the first one, I mean, no one, you can't say Benedetto's a particularly one-on player, or he's not a player who's been on a particularly good run of form. He's a graduate of the Arsenal Academy, he's spent quite a few years out on loan as well. And, but I think the last year or so, he's, he's come in and had a bit more, uh, more playing time. And yeah, the first one, he kind of, Took it down in the area, turned very well and just blasted it straight into the top corner. Second was, I can't remember if it was the first time hit. No, he took, it, he he took, took a touch. touch. Just kind of or he took a touch. But, well, even more impressive then because mm. he took a touch to steady himself and just absolutely released the Thunderbolt, which gave, um, was it Guzman in goal? Uh, it, or Pirata? Well, it was Guzman. Guzman. There you go. Yeah, Guzman. Yeah, and absolutely <clears> no chance. That was 2-0 after, I think. 16 minutes. 16 minutes, yeah. Newell's came yeah, back, hit the crossbar twice. Yeah, and then, and then Benedetto, Benedetto hit the crossbar from, from the goal, right? This kind of cross shot, yeah, cross shot that swerved like safe an absolute yeah. bastard as well. Which, it, yeah, at the start it looked fairly comfortable for Guzman, but in the end he did really well to parry it onto the bar. And yeah, he almost deserved the hat trick because it was a phenomenal display. And I thought Arsenal were, were very good value for the, for the win. I said, I think I made the point on Twitter that. Kind of two of the um, two of the best players in Primera. You had uh, Nacho Coco playing up against uh, Lisandro Lopez, mm. which is like really interesting match. And you got to say probably Lopez had the better of that one. He kept Coco very quiet, you know, re- you know, relatively for what he can do to you. And yeah, I think the big talking point at the end again probably happened off the pitch when I can't remember if Martino got sent. Oh no, it was in the process of getting sent off. Yeah. He was arguing with a decision, the referee, who, uh, Pompey. Juan Pablo Pompey. Juan Pablo Pompey yes, came yeah. over to send him off and decided it would be a good idea to give him a nice firm push before. He's always had a bit of a volcanic temper, Pompey. See, I'm um, still not sure that joke works, because Pompey wasn't a volcano. No, but it, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm, the badness of it. I'm really not sure. Uh, well, like, we we had a fair few, or I had a, a fair few bad puns, including that one being a... Sent my way on, on uh, well, an Australian dance way on, on Twitter by a listener, Ursus Arctos. Um, also among them was the the theory that because this didn't happen at Boca River, it was going to be buried in the next day's papers, which works slightly better. Um, Gerardo Martino, after the game, looked shaken. Took it quite coolly, chilled, you might say. Um, but yeah, it was bizarre, wasn't it? Pompey, after the game, was saying to, to Maxi Rodriguez as they were leaving the pitch, no, he pushed me first. And <laughs> you think, well... There's a TV camera on you when it happens. It that, that didn't happen. In itself, it's not really that serious. It's not a big push. It's, it's not. It's, it, yeah, exactly. It's but, around, but really, the, the act in itself is disgraceful. Yeah. Plus the fact that it happens person, in, the one person in the stadium. stadium. I, I one person in the stadium that's meant to keep, keep control and, yeah. and the referee doesn't push the coach. 
It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. This guy can't work again. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, I mean in, a, in, a, in a country where there's so many problems with violence anyway, violent tackles, yeah. coaches winding up players, winding up fans, fans killing each other. I mean, you know, there's enough going on anyway. Yeah. They can't have a referee as well going and, and inciting yeah. violence like I remember, that. I remember a similar case, actually. It was back in either 2010 or 2011, I remember. It was a game at uh, Vélez against uh, Racing. In Racing Stadium, and it was kind of very weak and Vélez thing. Funnily enough, you know, talking about this because this was one of the matches this weekend. Um, it was kind of a reserve mixed Vélez team because they were in the middle of the Libertadores. Came to Racing all the same and went one 0 up. And then there was kind of a fracas in the middle of the pitch. Something or other happened. I think a fight. And a referee. I don't know if any of you remember the name, uh, Javier. Colasso. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. He's the guy who spoke out about corruption. And... Yeah. yeah. Uh, went straight in, like, and actually squared up to a squared up to one of the Vélez players, like, chest up, like, whoop, all of this, like, marched him back, and then pulled out a red card. <laughs> and I can't remember him directing that many Premier games afterwards. Mm. Well, no, well, he spoke out about uh, match fixing as yeah. well, which is which is which another is, reason why all... we don't hear about yeah, exactly. hear about him much. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only that's kind of a, an equivalent I can remember. Just well, referees losing their call and just wanting to get involved. We're gonna have to see what happens to Pompey after this. Obviously, um, if, if he loses the job, he could be left ashen faced. Uh, I'll stop now. Sorry. <laughs> Please. Uh, but that that defeat for Newell's. Are you gonna edit on like a a, a, a or a laughter track? Where's your laugh sign, sir? Yeah. I've left it at home, unfortunately. Uh, that, that defeat for Newell's means, of course, that they relinquish top spot because, um, as we say already, Lanús um, won. So the title race in River, of course, can celebrate that defeat as well because it means they didn't slip too far behind. Um, the top three are now Lanús with 26 points, Newell's with 25 and River with 22. Um, and then we've got Atletico Rafaela and Godoy Cruz both on 20. Oh, really um, so still pretty tight with, uh, what is it, six games to go? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, seven games to go. Um, and just six points separating the top five. Um, yeah, it's good all to play for. It is. Unless it's tight, it's down at the bottom. Indeed. And we might as well now get on to down at the bottom. Um, we're whipping through these more quickly than we normally do, which is fantastic. Great. Um, <laughs> for our listeners' patience, if nothing else. My patience, man. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> for <our> listeners. <laughs> Kilmes lost again. 2 1 at home to San Lorenzo. Oh, Anything that to say game. about that one? I can't believe it. Kilmes, Kilmes, Kilmes. I left my house, so I was going out to meet a friend afterwards, so I watched the first half here. Great, Kilmes won you up, it was a bit of a scrappy goal. Fernando Elisari, who's no doubt we'll mention at some point towards the end yeah. of the season when we do the roundup, but he's been one of the young players who's most impressed coming through. So he knocked it in early, won your Kilmes, I thought, right, go out now, that's good. Went out, you know, I was only going down to Boedo, pretty close, 10 minutes in the bus. Um, probably got to the bar 10 minutes after half time, look up at the telly. And it's two one San Lorenzo. Fuck. <laughs> that's, remind, that's my remind us why you're so upset about this. Because Kimes are a direct relegation rival of my beloved Independiente. And did did you tweet things about uh, Balavaradolos and all that kind of stuff? No, no. You, you weren't involved in that. I'm, no, I'm I don't just. Get I think we need to establish. No, that that, that was just <laughs> two idiot teenage racing forum. Well, it got quite players. a lot of people going, though, didn't it? Well, people are idiots. No. <laughs> <laughs> Football fans more than <laughs> <laughs> Way to alienate 100% of our, of our... Well, I think all of us are football fans as well. <laughs> so, 
saying. I think they know what we're talking about. Uh, indeed. Uh, goals from Julio Buffarini and Gonzalo Verón in the second half for San Lorenzo, meaning that they want 2 1. Um, and as we say, that San Lorenzo are safe now. They can take themselves out of so. the equation, right? Yeah. Argentinos are dropping into it. Independiente, the reason for this, of course, we mentioned already, Argentinos lost to Lanús. Independiente, a couple of hours before the Super Clásico, got a second consecutive win. They were away to Tigre. Tigre, of course, distracted by. Copa Libertadores, uh, they were slightly out of practice because they didn't have a game the previous weekend. And, and also, something which is neither here nor there to do with other commitments, but they have Javier Garcia in goal. True. Which is a problem. It's alive. He is, is, is this a conspiracy theory, John? Or are you just no, 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 I'm just saying. Just so, to he's, clarify. He's just not very good. He's just not a very good keeper. Yeah, he had a night. He, he, is, he is one of the, I think, the only. I mean, obviously not that old, right side of the 35 still, but um, I have never seen a goalkeeper subbed off for a performance apart from Javier Garcia, and that was when he was a Boca in the, actually against Tigre, Minos, in the the triple playoff for the the title. Um, I've never seen anyone else, um, actually I'd be interested to see if anyone knows knows of any other cases, because I I can't think of any other, anyway, um, triple at Boca, and he, he he's just clumsy. Yeah, he pulls off the odd brilliant save. Yeah, 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 yeah. But his positioning yeah. for for the it is great goal by um, yes. by uh, the the young yeah. Paraguayan. And Real Betis, he got both. He got both. Yeah. The young he opened the scoring uh, eight minutes in with, I mean, Tigre bouncing the ball around in, in their own defence and shaping up to split a counter. And somebody, I think it was. I think it was Federico Manquesio, but somebody in in Independiente's midfield kind of puts in a tackle. Um, 35, 40 yards from goal, the ball goes sideways and Fernandez just looks up and hits it first time. Um, absolutely astonishing lob. And the reason I went on often on about Javier Garcia is because Fernandez afterwards explained that Eladio, the independent goalkeeper, had, ex- had told him, look for Garcia because he's always really far off his line. And it's funny you say that because Fernandez's second goal as well, slightly scrappier, um, but scored from the edge of the box, a good solid hit, and Garcia, Garcia got a good strong fist to it. To you know, tipping mm. over the crossbar, but he was so far out that by the time it looped down, it was it got under the crossbar and, and went in there. Um, so Independiente took a two 0 lead in at half time and never looked like surrendering it, surrendering it in the second half. But to to cancel out the fact that Garcia was in goal, Independiente were again playing with Caicedo up front, um, <laughs> and Caicedo has, has got all of these eulogies over the last couple of weeks because of his accidental assist, which you mentioned last week, John. Um, and supposedly he was, you know, not quite the same <laughs> astonishing heights um, against Tigre. But everybody was saying, you know, that this is a much better player than we've seen before. I've not the really thing is, I'll insist, that, he's, got, he's got all of the attributes to be a decent striker, apart from the fact he goes to absolute pieces whenever he looks at the goal. Mm. That's the only thing he's missing. He was inches like, away from I the goal. I think we can all point. think of strikers who, who share that same... Well, he reminds me of Emil Heskey floor, a lot. Yeah, yeah Heskey... You Perhaps know. without quite the same physical presence. Mm, um, yeah, a bit or, more pace, maybe. Your beloved Funes Mori, mate. Yeah, Funes Mori's another, um, another very But good. I'm, I'm sure Kaiser gets the same. Uh, you know, it's that classic, he's all, he looks so good in training. It's yeah, because yeah. yeah, he hasn't got the pressure in training, mate. He hasn't got a. He's a yeah, he's a training um, ground player, definitely. Absolutely. Um, so that win for Independiente takes them within seven points of Argentinos. And the way Argentinos are going, Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, I think, is now a. Seven or eight games in charge. He's won one, drawn two, and lost all the others. I know it's something um, about Carlos Lombardi today. Just on um, on the La Nación uh, sports website, Can- Canchachena. Um, the, the choice of photo. 
It's a dreadful photo. He, it, it, it's one of those. One, it, it, it's one of those. This, this one here. Yeah, exactly. He's got his, his tongue, oh, his tongue sort of coming yeah. out, and he looks a little bit dopey. And you think that is a that is a, a photo editor who dislikes Carousel Lombardi intensely. So every this, this is the kind of photograph that if you saw one of your friends maybe put it up on on Twitter as their avatar, or and, and it was of them, or, or on their Facebook profile, you think, why the hell did they choose that photograph? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have been the worst one. Uh, it is awful. Um, Sorry, just a little, little, yeah, yeah, little, quite right. little aside there. Uh, further to the relegation battle, of course, we then had San Martin versus Atletico Rafaela. This was in the um, this was a couple of hours after Boca versus River. Um, San Martin took a one nil lead, as expected. Really, I think Rafaela were playing with their second choice goalkeeper Nestor Conde because Guillermo Sara had picked up his fifth yellow card the previous weekend for time wasting. Uh, really intelligent goalkeeping, that isn't it? Um, so San Martín took a 1-0 lead early on through Lucas Landa and then last 10-12 minutes no, last 5-10 five, five minutes all hell broke this um, who was it who, who committed the first foul? I think it was Landa himself actually brought down uh, Federico González from behind González gets up, scores the penalty 1-1, nobody's got any complaints at all um, and then 5 minutes later Jonathan Lopez goes up for the ball in the box. Rafael have a throw in out on the left. Lopez challenges for the ball. Um, I'm not sure who made the challenge for this one. Yeah. Mainly because there wasn't a challenge. I mean, well, exactly. there were there, two people standing next there to is no incident. Lopez fell there is no incident. Um, and a penalty is awarded. Uh, Gonzalez scores it. 2 1 Rafaela. San Martin hit the roof. We've had San Martin's president, Miadoki. Uh, threatening at least last night on Fox Sports I don't know whether he followed through today I've not had a chance to look um, to resign from football um, saying that San Martin have, have been sentenced already somebody at the AF has told them that they're going down uh, he says phone up Patricio Lostal who's the goalkeeper and, and referee. Uh, sorry the referee goalkeeper um, and tell him that you need to know who told him to make that decision all sorts of things well, Lostal, which feeds into the conspiracy theory that Santiago was feeding us the other night except Lostow's an AAA referee. He's not a Sadra ref. So what's going on there? Is this just all refs against anybody who's, who's you know, they've been told to favour Independiente we'll as well? We'll see, we'll see. Yeah. Well, Lostow, the thing about the decision itself is that he was, I mean, four or five metres away. Hmm. And he was right on top of it. Not even that far. Uh, I do wonder if he's, if he's slightly blinded by the defender's body. And he can't quite Possibly. see because the thing is, there's but a distance between like the striker and, and then the defender. It's quite immediately after the the game, uh, where he said, you know, somebody asked him, you know, we've seen the TV replays, and I mean, what did you give it for? And, and he said, well, you know, there are some fouls which don't show up on TV. Incredible. <laughs> you think, yeah, brilliant. Non-existent fouls do tend to not show up on television. I think um, that's what, what's called digging your own, your own grave, right? Indeed. Yeah. Well, Lustau is is um, is also the. the was the referee as we're on Super Classico um, yeah. hangover um, it's just worth mentioning because it's in terms of his career it's, it's a big game he didn't give River six maybe seven penalties in the Classico and that is the one before River Plate went down I'm struggling off sending, that, sending off Almeida I mean six or seven saying that sounds like exaggeration it does sound exaggeration <laughs> definite five yeah. definite five and then maybe six maybe seven maybe even another one But and but, this was um, the match after which Passarella demands Grandona's resignation says oh the world's against us blah 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 and River I think won the following win. weekend against Racing and then didn't win again for the rest of the season or it might have been the other way around they might have beaten Racing the previous weekend and, seven, yeah, seven games without a win anyway that, uh, that, that took them down so, um, so Lustau is, is already a bit of a marked man for, for some fans around the country and beyond that though the fact that the following day after, after this one 
he was on doing the rounds of all the radio stations and TV phone-ins and whatever, talking. The following day, Pompey was doing the same because of... It's like, mate, oh, Which is incredible. We're just talking like, about referees. These referees come out and chat just, and chat Just and chat dreadful, and dreadful decisions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and having to justify places, themselves. Like, they wouldn't... Yeah. You would just wonder whether... I mean, no comment. On the one hand, I think elsewhere, they kind of would like referees to explain themselves, right? And they would, they would like... Yeah, them to a point, yeah. So, so the absolute silence maybe isn't perfect. But, yeah. but at the same time, you know, being called up by La Red and then on Fox yeah. and then say, and... And it's just, we're not, you know, between Ramon Diaz, between uh, the, the flares, between the two referees, part, I mean, they hadn't football to talk about. No, no. Like, no, no one's saying, oh, they played really well, that player really yeah. stood out this weekend. Uh, maybe Romero, for, I know, so I'm not sure, but um, sad, sad state of affairs. I, I must add that I've noticed on Twitter that my very good friend, Horacio Elizondo, um, <laughs> once, once recognised as the best referee in the world, has been saying that he actually th- thought that Rafael's second penalty was a penalty. Yeah. Um, did he consult you on that first? He or? didn't. No, I'm going to have to very yeah. Horacio, if you're listening, yeah, I, I respect respectfully disagree with you on this. <laughs> um, but I mean, he was getting it in the neck to a ridiculous extent from people claiming he was defending Mostar and yeah. and so much stuff. And one guy uh, regarding the Juan Pablo Pompey thing, I saw somebody tweet to to Horacio Alessandro something along the lines of oh no but you know you always say that uh, that you have to allow for human error when making decisions and so on and you know players are human they're allowed to lose their temper so why can't the referee lose his temper <laughs> and he's on the made the perfectly good point if the referee wants to be respected the referee has to be the first person to respect everybody else yeah. first of all that's, that's the minimum that you can yeah. possibly ask for um, but anyway, there you go. The, the other match on, on Monday night was All Boys versus Estudiantes, which there's nothing to say about at all. It was a nil-nil draw. atrocious, right? I, didn't watch it, I, I watched all atrocious. of it, and I can't remember any of it. I mean, not a single yeah, moment, yeah. literally. Um, other results really quickly. Godoy Cruz beat uh, Colón 3-0 um, to get back to winning ways there and to end Colón's. I think Colón had a run of two or three in a row. Yeah. Two, two or three consecutive wins, something yeah. like four or five unbeaten. Um, Union and Belgrano drew 1-1, which we've not mentioned in the relegation roundup because Union are doomed anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and good grief, all, all the other matches we've pretty much mentioned apart from. Dan? Uh, away. Yeah. What happened? Uh, not too much to say about this, we'll keep it nice and concise. It was um, Racing coming coming back from that 4 3 defeat against News, against Vélez, who we know have really struggled for form in La Primera because they've been focusing a lot on Libertadores, uh, but this was a full strength Vélez yeah, team. Yeah, let's just look at it in that Vélez lineup because, of course, uh, they've not had. Well, they've got a midweek yes. game tomorrow night against Tigre because of the um, Maravilla Martinez fight. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. That uh, is, yeah. And, yeah, not, not too much to say. It was very even. Not a dreadful match, I didn't think, for a, for a nil-nil. I'll, I'll say it's nil-nil now, yeah. There's a couple of chances. I think Racing probably just about had the better of it, but Villas were very strong, you know. Mm. Didn't give Racing a moment to breathe in the final third. But I think, you know, this game was kind of most memorable for us, for, for Racing fans, because the last 20 minutes saw Juan Ricardo Centurion come on, which he got a massive, just, massive ovation. Like just remind us who Ricky Centurion is, because I think uh, a lot of our listeners could have been forgiven for Ah, yes, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Centurion is a, a youngster, he, kinda, he plays out wide, you could say... Say he's yeah, a winger and also can play kind of a second striker, he usually plays out wide. He's a hot shot, right? He's definitely a hot shot, yeah. What other bad puns can we come up with the fact that he's been photographed holding a gun? Um, Why do you have to bring this to Just, just keep going. Sorry. Jesus. I'm a connoisseur of bad yellow, puns. Yellow journalism there. Yellow journalism. 
And yeah, in, he was a revelation of the, um, the 2012 Initial. Played brilliantly, especially yeah, some cracking games. Scored a few goals, and he was part of this kind of they call it kind of the Wachitura crew in in Racing with Vieto and Farinha, like these young kids that they came through. And one of those highly um, creative Ole oh, yeah, spreads. Yeah. It really because yeah. they did one for the Boca young young players as yeah. well. Just because they've all got spiky hair. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Spiky or shaved heads, yeah. yeah. So they must must be Wachituras. And yeah, and he was all all certain kind of earned a move to. Oh, I can't actually was it Ansi? Ansi. Ansi. Yeah. yeah. Um, Max, six, Max, Max seven million Max. euro move would have been Racing's highest transfer ever. Before he went to, in a very confusing episode, he went to Belgium, and they were talking about, you know, maybe he he move now, but then be loaned back for six months, and this until a doctor in Belgium found a genetic a genetic defect on on his ankle, which hadn't impeded him from playing for his whole career; had gone completely undetected, but had the had the potential to cripple him, essentially. So the transfer was called off. Centurion went under the knife in January, kind of just before the start of the season. And, you know, what we're in the 12th round of fixtures now. He came on for the first time in the season. So he wasn't, you could say he wasn't actually injured, but he kind of chose to, um, to go under the knife to prolong his career and make sure that there wouldn't be any kind of repercussions from this defect and and moreover to keep his transfer value relatively high I would think because Angie were threatening to not go through well, the well at one well, point they wanted to they wanted to operate on him and then pay the money later yeah they wanted to take him to a rapture start his get him operated yeah. and then see if he was alright well no, um, he let's think about that for two yeah. seconds which is interesting because I think we'll probably talk about Butter a bit later Ruben Butter a bit later because I think I saw a question there but apparently what I've heard like one of the stories going around is that Inter will go through the transfer even though he's out for six or seven months. Mm. Well, apparently um, the transfer's been signed already, so Inter can yeah. back out of it. So they they'll go through... Well, I think there's probably a... It must be kind of a clause to say oh, if he got injured. Late. Definitely, definitely. We'll see. Because what if he died? Like... <laughs> Yeah, there must be a clause, but anyway, they've decided to take Botter on, they're going to they're gonna pay Tigre the money and they're also going to take him, you know, for their own specialist the, rehabilitation. Is the point, did Tigre get any money at all? Yeah. That, that, really? He's out of contract. Ah, that's a good he's, point. He's on a free... And, yeah, and this, yeah, is what yeah, been, this is what Botter's yeah, been, been, been saying, actually, is that he's annoyed because he's had no calls from Tigre at all, none of the... Yeah. He, said, he said that the technical staff and the players have been with him the whole time, but none yeah. of the directors have given a yeah. toss, basically. Yeah. That said... Yeah. Um, we'll come back... Yeah, just, sorry, I sorry. think we've got the question about Potter a bit later, but Hello. what I was going to say... I think it kind of sums up the, the difference even with um, you know, these kind of mature, established European clubs, you know, people like Inter and stuff who've got a long tradition of football, and you kind of expect them to, to understand the need to take a player under their wing and rehabilitate them and all that compared to someone say Anshi who very new to the game and they've kind of they're throwing a lot of money around yeah. so maybe that, that's kind of the difference they don't understand about kind of nurturing the players and stuff and they could have you know they could have brought Centurion for 6 million taken him in you know eating uh, eating the 6 months that he would have been out and, and taken him but yeah for me I think it's a difference in, in kind of football perspective wanting to kind of develop your players instead of just Wanting to get what you pay for. That's, yeah, that's what I say. Mm. But for a wrestling point of view, it's 
it was brilliant to see Centurion back on the pitch. And, and he's come back he got a month and a half ahead of schedule or something. Yeah, he was expected to maybe feature in the last couple of games. At the start, we weren't sure if we'd even see him this year. Yeah. But I know there was one tackle. I don't know if either of you watched the game. I, I was coming back from Argentinos. No. I know so I caught about the last five minutes. Ah, you probably didn't see it. Like, I think about 30 seconds after being on the pitch, it gets out to him on the right-hand side. The whole crowd like, murmurs, you know, that wonderful murmur when people are excited in the stands. And he goes against um, his marker, I can't remember who it was, maybe Papa, and got absolutely decked, like, totaled. And there, was no, and there was no foul given. And you can imagine, just like, it's just summed up for me, I just, it's like, this is one of the best players in the league, he's been on the pitch for 30 seconds, yeah. he gets fucked up and you're not going to protect him. Like, it was probably the thing that's made me most angry the whole season. And we've lost the racing agenda of, of officiating it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that was Racing. I can't really say much more. Anyway, th- that, that was Racing versus Velez Sarsfield, which means we've now covered all of the matches in record time, at least if you only count the record as being the last sort of, 10 episodes or so. Um, so we will now play some incidental music and we'll come back and we will answer the few questions that some of you have sent us. Uh, so don't go away. questions from just a few listeners so oh hello we're getting more by the second but so let's crack on um okay we've got uh, several from ryan ross the first of several he asked this one on the third of may which was blimey when was the third of may friday yeah friday um you're lucky i remembered ryan um but here we go he says do you think that balanta will develop um if he does he's developing from an incredibly high base he, uh, this is the River Plate centre-back who we've somehow managed to not mention uh, until now for the first time well, since he made his debut. Yeah, that's good. He, um, he, had he, a very decent go- he had a very decent game, actually. It was an interesting development yeah. yesterday when um, Rock and Kloss, the radio station, announced that Milan are going to be paying €10 million Euros for him in June. €10 million Euros to whom? No, to, to River. He's not so he's going to... No, this is the thing. They're saying he will sign with River okay. to be sold. Yeah. Which goes back to our... Um, Botter. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. but I'll, I'll hold on to that one. Anyway, so... Um, very highly rated. Yeah. Look, looks pretty good. Looks pretty solid. He's only played six games. Yeah. So, yeah. you know... Five, given, given... Yeah, right. Maybe five. Yeah. Um, given that, I've been really impressed with him. But um, I mean, everybody in the country, and he'd also yeah, be, yeah, he's, yeah. and he'd also be the third centre, Colombian centre back in Milan. Yeah, after Nelson Rivas, who's another former no, River. Sorry, no, Nelson Rivas moved to Inter. They've already got Shepes and Zapata. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant. I didn't realise you meant current, but yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking Nelson Rivas because he was another Colombian centre back. He played a few games for River and then got snapped up by Inter. Although he was significantly less impressive and less noticeable than Balanta's been already. Yeah. Um, but no, he's, he's very good. Ticks all the right boxes. Um, Left footed. Not not that many, you know. Yeah. Just, uh, talent young left left footed centre back. So it is a bit of a rarity. So obviously fits in nicely with that side. I yeah. saw a tweet earlier from a River fan saying, "Funes Mori's been with River now, like in the first team for what two and a half, three years." 
and we're still talking about him con condiciones, like with qualifiers. balanta has been in the first team for five weeks, <laughs> and he's just he's been a crack in every match. He's been the best player yeah. on the pitch. Um, I've got an interesting, what we'd say, kind of theory or idea to throw out for you guys. Mm-hmm. Balanta from the Colombian team in 2014, too early, because that's you know. I love watching the Colombian national team at the moment. It's a fantastic side, but how old is Shepherds? Yeah, Shepherds will be thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, do you reckon he can he can make a charge trick? Because if there's one place that Colombia are weak, it's in the middle, especially yeah, yeah. with two fullbacks like Armero and who's the other one? Um, um, Angola. Angola. Uh, yeah, I, I need to pull up our, Angola. I need to pull up our pronunciation because we're going to get it in the neck from our fellow Spanish-speaking listeners if we. Leave it as Shepes is Yepes being Colombian, of course. We're in Argentina. We apologise for Argentines. He's Argentina. lived in Argentina. Argentina. He knows what it's like. Um, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could see him making a making a charge, making a case for to be in the Colombia squad for 2014. Mm. I mean, assuming which that they qualify, which they're almost certain to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stranger things have happened. Definitely. Uh, speaking of uh, Argentina-based centre-backs who might be playing in the 2014 World Cup, Phil Carney asks, do you know what's happening with Osvaldo Biscarondo next year? Are Lanús going to or trying to make his loan permanent? <coughs> I didn't realise he was on loan. Where's he on loan from? Anybody know? He went he, After a limbo, he, he left. From a limbo, he yeah. went to... I think it's a Spanish club. I'm looking up on Wikipedia now so we can find out because of course Wikipedia is always 100% uh, trustworthy. The uh, last team he played up before Lanús was America de Mexico. Right, so when we're in Porto, he's been bought by a Spanish club and then loaned. Uh, no, no, he's been loaned from America. So there we go. Um, I've, I've not heard anything about it. As is probably evidenced by the fact that until just now I didn't realise he was on loan. <laughs> I've heard nothing about it but I mean um, I'm sure they will look to if I think the problem is so always... Well, they've been so many kind of with this win, mm. but Libertadores, maybe it's a bit far away next next Libertadores. But I think there's always the problem that is present for Argentine, Argentine clubs, which is the the financial side. Yeah. Vicarondo is probably commanding very high wages in, in Mexico, probably been paid in dollars as well, which is something we have to consider now. Everyone who lives in Argentina knows <laughs> <laughs> exactly why. And, yeah, so... You'd have to see if Lanús can, can match that kind of spending, match that wages. So, it's, I, mean, well, I think we know the answer. That. Yeah, I think we know the answer, which is it's probably unlikely. I wouldn't be surprised, if we, especially if he's playing well. America will, will call him back. We apologise briefly for the clicking during that um, response. Plugging in the laptop so we can continue to ask questions. Thank you, Dan. You next one is we've got a bit of a conversation going on there. Uh, Chris Hartley asks, "What is the state of women's football in Argentina? For example, in England, we've got the new women's Super League. Um, it's kind of laughed at even by most female fans. I don't think it's laughed at. It's just non-existent. Yeah. If you like women's football, you watch hockey. They're, they're improving. I've, I've watched um, bits and pieces and highlights due to Direct TV. Fortunately, of, of the last." couple of women's well well the last women's world cup uh, I might just have some of the last women's euros as well I can't remember what channel that was on um, and Argentina are definitely improving compared with with the previous women's world cup before that but still I mean nowhere near the standard of say Brazil um, Sweden the United States China yeah nowhere near England. but, but, I mean, but all, England, all the clubs have got their, got their women's sides and, um, and yeah, yeah. I think they're very yeah, very slowly an awful lot of the, the national team is made up of river players I know that but apart from that 
can't say very much. It, it's given no media attention. No, none of the matches are on television. I think occasionally the Women's Super Classico gets a couple of lines, mm. or if the Boca or River women's team plays in the Libertadores, things like that. But yeah. That's more to do with Boca and River, I think, then. Yeah, Boca won the Libertadores a couple of times recently. Yeah. I think, like, uh, twice in the last three years or something. Um, but there's not much we can say, really, apart from that. Uh, it, it's very much developing, and it's entirely amateur as well, that's the other yeah. thing. Uh, and a lot of the best players are, I mean, a lot of the most promising players are, are very, very young, like 16, 17, 18, because they're only just starting to come up through the system now. Um, so give it 10 years, and you never know. Um, whether it'll ever quite reach the same state as Argentine women's hockey is <laughs> unlikely, let's face it, but we'll see. Um, Ryan Ross, in his second of so far four questions that I can see, says, with Boca being investigated for crowd trouble in the classical, will the authorities actually punish the club or will they just do the minimum? We kind of hinted at this earlier. Yeah, they, but they will be punished. The, the perception from outside Argentina is that, oh, it's Boca Juniors, so they're not going to do anything, presumably. But Boca have been punished in the past, in the Libertadores, yeah. in the Sudamericana, in, in the local league even, they've had La Bombonera closed, yeah. they've had fines imposed. So it's not entirely out of the question. At the moment, it's looking like what they've closed these bottom the two teams. No, you have only the only the home is popular. Is it only the home yeah. popular? Oh, okay, I thought it was both. For some so reason. yeah, I think the problem is. I mean, we can talk about conspiracy theories all day. We often do, and it's fairly tiresome, I think. But you know, let's not forget that proving these links. You know, besides the fact that you know you might have bias, you might have whatever it's Boca like. These links are extremely hard to prove. I mean, yeah. how do you prove that? Uh, they did happen. Although, one interesting development I think I read today was that they did find pyrotechnics in in the Boca bathroom, in mm. one of the bathrooms in Boca, which hints that they were left there before the game. So that could be a key bit of evidence. Sure. Yeah, I mean, That's a bit harder and, to And you're right, the, the debate sometimes gets lost because everyone just immediately says, yeah. oh, well, hang on, River had this done and, and Vélez did that and we didn't do that and then they didn't only gave us two matches and they gave them seven yeah. or, or whatever. So it gets slightly d- diluted. But I mean, I think what I, I heard that they're behind closed doors against Colón in a couple of weeks' time cool. and, and that'll be a one-game stadium ban. Um, but, I mean... As you said, there are always investigations. It's difficult to prove. It'll be a month ban, and a month ban is two games. Hmm. One or two, yeah, maybe. I can see it. No more than that. No, absolutely. So so to say they're going to get off. Which I think is fair. But I think two games is fair. Let's not go overboard. Let's not say they should shut it for the rest of the season. If if links are proven between, say, the head of security and and what happened... uh, then at the very least I think he should be out of a job but obviously that's not yeah, going to happen I mean personally yeah, <laughs> I, I can completely agree I don't have that but I think there's a the whole thing there that the head of security is Stornelli who used to be the head of security in the province and there are there are links there with the former Bada Brava um, with Stornelli so so there are with Diceo with Diceo yeah exactly, exactly. so um, I mean you know it's fairly from the outside you'd say it's it's difficult to prove but um but the links are definitely there um and on the other side is it's impossible not to not to have been some links either with the police which obviously falls into the category of, of the security so you know obviously something happened um but as we all know nothing uh, very very often tends to there's no serious um punishment given to, to clubs for these and but it's not just because it's Boca, it's just that this is never Entirely well dealt with, even if it was Tigre or All Boys or somebody. That they, I mean, they might they'd probably get a heavier punishment than, than Boca are going to, but it still wouldn't be enough anyway. Um, 
Uh, Ryan also asks, how typical in Argentina is Tigre's treatment of Ruben Botta after suffering his knee injury, i.e. ignoring him and cutting him yeah. off? We've kind of hinted at the fact that this is partly yeah. at least because the board aren't bothered about keeping him happy because he's not going to be with the club yeah. by the time and let's, anyway. Let's but. give Tigre um, a little bit of a fair hearing here because they're also reacting to, um, to a player who was kind of in the wilderness, wasn't playing and he was given the chance, he took it, but... He's kind of repaid Tigre, who put him in the spotlight. Who, you know, and we're not talking about a massive club. This is a very small club. Don't make much money, and this, you know, if they sold him for five, six million euros, that would be incredible for for them. And this was a player who basically turned around, and I think he was talking even from January, let's say, that right, I'm off. It could be to Boca, or it could be to Europe, or it could be anywhere, but I'm off, and I'm going to leave for free, and Tigre aren't going to get nothing. So this isn't. You know, this isn't a player who's shown Tigre any sort of exemplary service either. No, no, exactly. And, and there's also a thing about the gesture towards the club. There are players who've signed contracts, given yeah. that they, their, their contract is running out, mm-hmm. but knowing that an offer will come in yeah. and and letting and helping the club get mm-hmm. get money for them. So, um, I mean, one comes to mind yeah. is Christian Vishagda, who, who left River a couple of years ago. The fullback uh, went to Russia, yeah. and he did the same. He signed a contract in the understanding that they would accept. A reasonable deal for him to move. So, so there is that a little bit. As you said, he didn't. He refused to sign a contract. Um, but at the same time, this is Tigre enjoying their best spell in their history in terms yeah. of uh, you know continental cup runs. Yeah. Um, so you know, swings both ways. I, guess. I don't know. I can understand the attitude though. Like, right, you decided to leave and not give us a penny. Why should we fund? You know, why should we fund your rehabilitation just so you're going to leave us? You, know, you got yourself into this one, you get yourself out of it. For me, it's completely understandable. Interesting quote from Nestor Morosito yesterday saying that Ruben Bote is the greatest player in Tigre's history, which I found highly interesting because I've, I've, right? I've just looked up while I was preparing to say this uh, the, the forward line for La Machina, which is the legendary River Plate side from the 1950s, possibly the most famous uh, front line in, in Argentine club football, because uh, I was convinced it was one of them. And it's not, but it's something like the, the first $1 million signing in Argentine football was from Tigre to River Plate, which is why I thought it was a La Machina player, but it isn't. Um, I can't remember who it is, but you would have thought that he would have been. He, he's one of the top three or four scorers in River's history, and he already played a couple of seasons for Tigre before that. Bernabe Ferreira. Ferreira, thank you. I, I was thinking Ferreira. Yeah, pre, pre-Machina. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was a million... It, it, was, it was a record. It, it was thir- a million pesos. Sorry, it might have been. Yeah, no, no, well, it wasn't. It was. It was like thirty thousand. But still, at the time, it was. So it was, it was a record like a, fee yeah, of some sort. It was a record fee, and that's uh, where millionaire's nickname comes from from that signing. Right. And that's also why River yeah. became such a big, sure. well-supported club because of this guy Fernando, yeah. who, who came from, as you rightly said, from Tigre. But I don't know if he's. I mean, we're going back to the nineteen thirties. A player who's far more closely linked with. With River Plate than he is with Tigre, but um, but you're right. It's a bit cool though to say that. But you'd have to say that whoever Bottom moves on to, he's going to be far more end up far more closely linked. So with Inter, if he's even a moderate success there, yeah, than he has yeah. been with Tigre because he's played for Tigre for a year, year a and a half. A season, yeah, a season has been yeah. enough. Um, so we'll see. I mean, as, as we say, we all we all like him, but there is very much what what. Plus, we know that the best player ever in Tigre's history is Denis Dacolores. <laughs> No one could ever get over the strike attack. Uh, last question from Ryan. He asks, do you think the potential of MLS clubs joining the Copa Libertadores will have an effect on Argentine football? Will it mean more players leaving? Uh, the first thing to say is that it's very early mm. days. Um, this has been talked about for a few years and it's still not really any close to fruition. The second is, just today, the first um, the, the new Conmebol president, because of course Nicolas Leos stood down due to, open inverted commas, ill health 
close inverted commas, um, last month. And he's been replaced by a guy called Eugenio uh, Figueredo, who says that he wants a smaller Copa Libertadores. Fewer teams competing, more prize money. God knows how he's going to do that in South America. Um, he just wants the top two from each country, hmm. which would be... Bizarre. I mean, that's maybe a discussion for another hand of pot. Yeah. Um, but... We'll, we'll see, but I'm not convinced that MLS clubs are actually going to join the Copa Libertadores, to be honest. Just while we're on this very quickly, I, this one had completely passed me by, and I saw it yesterday, that Matthias Laba has gone to to- Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he left Argentinos about two or three weeks ago. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> First of all, what, what's the deal with transfer windows? Maybe in the States it's different, isn't it? I don't yeah, know when yeah, they start the season. Argentine clubs can't register new players outside the transfer window. Mm. If they get a good offer, they can sell. Because oh, okay. another... Yeah, must be, well, I'll be interested in one of Argentina's other players. deal with MLS, and I don't see how... I don't, didn't understand how this transfer could happen. One of Argentina's other players moved to an Indonesian club about two months ago. That's right. No, sorry, a month, month and a half ago. Um, just, just left the club just, just stopped picking up his phone to his bosses and said no I'm off so yeah <laughs> my agent will sort out the thing <laughs> and left uh, and you know I mean a club in Indonesia either okay yeah, yeah fair enough fine um, but yeah I, I, I entirely, in, in terms of the effect it would have on Argentine football um, yeah I, I, I mean just much. specifically Toronto I mean if Toronto made it so that's that's travelling from Buenos Aires to, to Canada I mean oh, that's Jesus. quite a trip for a midweek game, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, travel's already an issue going I mean, to Venezuela. I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember alone, that, well, yeah. Mexico. Well, yeah, and to Mexico, yeah. Probably. I think I looked up once at going from it was, I was for the um, 2010 Libertadores final, going from Porto Alegre in in Brazil to Guadalajara, yeah. where Chivas are from. It was the same from guy as going from London to Beijing. Wow, in terms of distance. So you say Buenos Aires to Canada would probably be London to Australia, isn't it? <laughs> getting there, getting there. Yeah. yeah. So it would be, it'd be an, a no, real, real drain on resources. Impossible. Very difficult for... for yeah. But if there's more money at stake, then, you know, that's what makes the world yeah. go around. We'll see. Uh, Coco the Monkey, an enthusiastic question asker, asks, will the infamous Se Fueron a la B por Puto y Cagón, uh, the, the yeah. Boca banner that we mentioned earlier, um, unveiled at the Super Classico now become a staple of La Dosse I hope so um, no it won't cause I'm going to say for one that I hope not because I mean A the banner size as we mentioned is illegal but B it's highly homophobic as well um, so I hope not that, not that that rules it out in Argentine football unfortunately um, but still gentlemen no you course. can't well, they won't be allowed to use either that banner or I think even in Provincia they won't be able to use it because it's too inflammatory so we won't be seeing it again. It was a one-off uh, river. The sentiment all the years has lost. You can see how they... Has been... And especially how they put it, apart from all of it, apart from all the other banners, you can see it was... Used, it was, for one, you sign me to, to annoy the river fans, to, to revoke them. Yeah, we won't, we won't see it again. They, they put it up knowing that they weren't going to get away with it again. Yeah. Basically. Um, he also asks, which rematch are you looking forward to the most in the Copa Libertadores? Belles Newells or Boca Corinthians? Boca Corinthians. To re- uh, rehash the um, the first legs, uh, second second round, uh, second legs are going to be Vélez at home to Newells and Corinthians at home to yeah. Boca, but the first legs were both 1-0, and the first was to Vélez away to Newells, and the, uh, the, uh, the other was Boca winning at home against Corinthians. Actually, Tigre against Olympia is going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to that. that is, yeah, that's, that's a week on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, the other two, I think, are next Wednesday night. That was 2-1 to Tigre at yeah, home in the first That was a cracking game. Yeah, um, 
aside from everything else, Asuncion's become a very uncomfortable place for Argentine. Indeed, and it's going to be uncomfortable again. I saw Ralph Hanna tweeting earlier that Olympia have already sold out uh, a week, a week and two days in advance. He said that never happens in Paraguayan football. Like he's, he's never, he, he's been there for three, four years maybe now, and he's never heard of a game selling out a week, in, a, more than a week in advance. There we go. Um, so that's going to be a cracking atmosphere. So we will see. Uh, Venice New, in terms of the football on offer, Venice Newells. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. In, in terms of the tension and the drama and the idea that Boca might get humiliated, um, <laughs> Boca Corinthians, but we'll see. Um, Phil Carney asks, how desperate for questions are you? I can probably dig out another Lanus one, so uh, I told him <laughs> to. I've not heard anything back from him yet. Um, oh, yes, I have. Here we go. He asks, Ismael Blanco, uh, <laughs> who I'd forgotten about, but I, having seen him in the flesh now, I've got something to say, was dropped recently by Guillermo Barros Equilotto to, re- to the relief of many Lanus fans. Do you think Leandro Diaz has been an improvement? Um... Blanco came off the bench against Argentinos late on, and I have to say that having seen Diaz in his place, if Diaz is the player, yes he is, he's the number nine. Uh, no. <laughs> Both of them shocking. No. We mentioned at the very start of the season in our Torneo yeah, Final preview. Great yeah, yeah and, and I mentioned in the Torneo Final preview episode, I mentioned that Blanco's scoring record for his previous two clubs had been absolutely woeful. I think he had something like three goals in 20 in odd matches between the two over the last kind of two whole seasons. Um, and he was going to have to improve this and in his first three or four games I think it was for Lanus he scored twice and it looked like he was improving it since when he's not scored a single one and he's been playing in almost every game Um, all I will say is I momentarily at the start of the game that I was at on Saturday forgot uh, that Blanco's number 18 and thought that the number 9 for Lanus was Blanco and he did nothing at all to change my mind until Blanco came on for the number (laughs) 9 And the stadium announcer said, so leaving the pitch, we've got Leandro Diaz, and coming on in his place is number 18, Ismael Blanco. And I thought, oh shit, that wasn't him. (laughs) So they've just sent on someone even worse. Um, The fact that Lanús are top of the league with him in their squad, with either of those two as their main target man, is a testament to how well Silvio Romero has been doing all season. And also Mario Regueiro, although he was pretty crap on Saturday. The overall quality of the league as well. Well, it doesn't necessarily, it's not like they've been scoring bucket loads. Um, but I mean it just neither of them offered anything at all it, it was it was ridiculous uh, so no I don't think Leandro Diaz has been an improvement uh, in short um, Poncho who I've, I've not seen uh, P-O-N-T-X-O uh, replies to both Phil and to Hand of Pod saying Leandro Diaz has a bucket on his head and also he's very kakui ha don't know what that means um, but anyway yes bucket on the head definitely that's how he plays at least uh, the Laced Boot says, I've not been able to watch a lot of Godoy Cruz in the finale, but is there any talk of Palermo taking over at Boca in the nearest future? <laughs> Maybe Bianchi plus Riquelme out and Palermo in would be too much fanfare and a totally clean slate. <laughs> any thoughts? Wow. I mean, uh, Bianchi won't go anywhere, I don't think. Mm. I mean, unless a complete disaster for the, in the next couple of months. So, so a new record for matches without a win or something? For example. Um, but I mean, at some stage in the future it will happen. Yeah, uh, it's, will it's, it's guaranteed. But I'm, I don't think it's going to happen that soon, as in, in three months' time. No. But within a year, year and a half, I could see it. And he's doing very well. I think it's good yeah. to see. Let's say if it comes down to, I don't know, the next vacancy in the Boca job, whenever it may be, yeah. between Barsic and Pelermo, even though Barsic and 
made arguably the better start to his coaching career, and Palermo still have the nod, right? Because he's Palermo. We could say that depends on yeah. Riquelme, right? Riquelme is not going to last much longer. If Bianchi goes, Riquelme is thirty-five. Bianchi, yeah. I mean, how long can he string this out? Riquelme, I'll tell you something now. I can, you know, Riquelme. I'm not Mystic Sam. I don't like to bet, but <laughs> Riquelme would not outlast Bianchi. There you go. Wow, that's quite a claim to make. You won. It wouldn't surprise me if they both end up leaving. It. Like, yeah, that's your saying. When Bianchi yeah. ends up. Um, uh, leaving or getting kicked out we've got to say leaving I suppose Boca Riquelme announced his retirement yeah that's what yeah, but then Riquelme's announced his retirement lots of times so who yeah. the fuck knows what's no. going to happen if Bianchi leaves Riquelme won't play another game we'll see good call, good call. Um, and the final question is from Mike who says Lancini versus Paredes who's better either of them off to Europe anytime soon and if so where they shouldn't be They're not. neither of them are ready for Europe I would say that in terms of... Um, Obviously, you're talking in an ideal world rather than the world we live in where people get sent to Europe at ever younger ages. Sure, I agree completely. Both of them need two or three years more in Argentina. In, in, in terms of... Um, what are you trying to say? Not so? having flattered to deceive, let's say, in public. Paredes, but purely because he's played less. Hmm. Lanzini's been playing most matches for River... Maybe been coming into it now and then. I mean, he, he scored against Racing, obviously, a few weeks ago. and was very good, good in that game. Mm. Uh, he scored in the Super Classico against Bocas. There Brilliant. are some signs now that in the biggest matches he's actually starting to find his yeah. feet and to, to step up. Um, but overall, I think the, the jury's still out on him very much, whereas Paredes has just been pushed, pushed to the sidelines more than, than he might have been, yeah. let's say, if Riquelme weren't involved at Bocas still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. There was definitely... That's the biggest shame about Raquel coming back, actually. Just pushed, like, Barreles was really funny as feet, you know, scored twice against Racing, played an absolute beautiful game. It was really fun in form, and then he just got relegated. And, and it seems even now, like, he didn't play from the start. Two against Racing, Racing were the, the summer friendlies, right? No, in the league. In the league? Yeah. Tonneau and Lucien? Yeah. Oh! Completely forgotten about that. Sorry. Yes. Carry on. And, yeah, I think, I think you see, even... When when Riquelme doesn't play, it seems like they just abandon the whole idea of having an Inganchi. Mm. So there's also no space for Paredes. It's like if the, if Inga, if Riquelme is not going to be at number ten, no one is. It's a very perverse attitude to take. Well, it's a bit strange, but I, I, you wonder what Bianchi's seen or thinks uh, about Paredes. Uh, but but certainly he had been interested. There was interest from Juventus. And they were talking numbers and everything. So for Paredes, so he's probably most likely. But I agree with both of you. I mean. Don't, neither of them have really lived up to that, um, to the reputation. But then yeah. you say, well, where's the reputation come from? I mean, they're you know they're both talented players, um, yeah. and I'm sure they'll be going very soon. Yeah. I would think that a move for Lancini, at least possibly back to Brazil, is probably more likely at this stage than to Europe, purely yeah. because he's been there once, and by all accounts, although he wasn't first choice in this position, he did very well when he was called on. Um, so for that reason, and for the fact that there's more money in Brazilian football than Argentine football, I think that's more likely. Um, but there we go. We, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, and now it's time for Mystic Sam's theme music. Five out of ten last weekend. And if really? it weren't for that referee giving that late Raphael a penalty, which should <laughs> have been... for that referee giving that late penalty... That's why you're so upset. It would have been yeah. six. <laughs> Nothing to do with fairness. <laughs> but if you've, if you've just taken my predictions for, for the... Uh, Saturday and Sunday matches, you'd got five out of six. Really? So yeah. I will now tell you what to place all of your money on this coming weekend. Don't go away. Really tough, it. 
Yeah, it should be prepared before recording straight down. No, you should be so convinced by yeah. that. You should study the teams. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly what yeah. you're going to go for. I haven't studied the teams. I was just opening the file. Yeah. Uh, we're going for. I'm going for. I should say. I'm not going to hand the blame off to these two. Um, for Belgrano versus Atletico Rafaela to finish all square in Cordoba. I think San Lorenzo are going to uh, beat Boca Juniors in the Nuevo Gasometro. Newell's Old Boys and Godoy Cruz to finish in a draw. Arsenal to beat Vélez Sarsfield. Apologies, Dan. Racing to beat Tigre. Um, Lanús to beat Independiente, obviously. Or is it? Let's see what his side the referee is on. Um, San Martín to beat Argentino Juniors in San Juan. Colón to beat Quilmes. River to beat All Boys. Estudiantes v Union to finish in a draw. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That didn't feel like ten matches I was reading up. <laughs> um, I did everything quick tonight, so... Any, any good-looking fixtures coming up this weekend, guys, that you're looking forward to? No. <laughs> Not at all? Let's just finish the season now. <laughs> no, Boca San Lorenzo is always um, an interesting match. Mm. That's going to be the answer. I think Lanús and Independiente would be quite interesting. I mean, you know, Independiente have, have got a bit, of a, a, bit of, a bit of a spring in their step. Yeah. You know, two wins five, on the top. Five goals in the last two games, only one conceded. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, all of a sudden there's this feeling that maybe they can do it. Maybe they can avoid relegation. So, obviously, going against Lanús, who've really got. I mean, although we were saying how close it is at the top, I think they're in a better position, really, to, of all the other sides to, yeah, to, to, carry, to go on and win it. So, um, I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah. Although in terms of the title race, one, one point worth making is if River can sort of keep pace, is Lanús played River in the second last day of the season. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, but um, River Independiente is the third last game of the season, right? Uh, yes, it is. I think. Let's, let's just check that. Round seventeen uh, is yes, River Independiente. So that'll be interesting as well. But yeah, uh, as I say, we'll see what, what side the referee is on for the, uh, especially the San Martín Argentinos game. Because you've got one team who are, could leapfrog Independiente in the Promedio with a win, but at the same time, if San Martin beat Argentinos, that would give Independiente the chance to get that bit closer to Argentinos. We'll see what happens. The other, the other point to make is if somehow Independiente get the win against Lanús um, and Quilmes fail to beat Colón, Independiente will finish next weekend outside the relegation zone. Wow. But the peculiarities and, and the mathematics of the points average table in Argentina mean that things wouldn't be in Independiente's hands even if that happened. Yeah. It would still be a case of they'd still have to finish with, you know, get more points from them to the end of the season than Kilmes and buy really quite a lot in order to finish off finally. Um, so, welcome to Argentine football. One thing I will say is next, one game next Monday night to end the, the weekend. Last night we had Arsenal, Newell's cracking game, two teams now to play good football. Next Monday's game is Estudiantes versus Union. That's one to miss. If I can give one... Two, two, sides, of lights, have, two sides have got three wins between them um, so far in the Donnell Finals. goals? Twelve? Uh, I think fewer than that. Let's have a look. Um, Union, so far this season, have scored... Estudiantes have scored nine. Oh, no, OK, fine. So Estudiantes have scored, Estudiantes have scored nine and Union have scored 11, bizarrely. Oh. Uh, how on earth have only won two games? That's a testament to how poor their defence has been. Um, so, yes, 20 between them from... 24 matches between them uh, to put that into some context Newell's old, old boys have scored 23 all on the run uh, so there you go 
But yeah, Union have only scored four fewer than River. Actually, Union haven't been that bad this year. They're down because what they did in other seasons. But Absolutely. Where are they in? Uh, they, well, they, they've drawn the six. I mean, they've, they've only lost yeah. four games, and I mean, who are they who the highest? In the they final, they're 15th. Oh, okay. uh, but but in, in the final, they, they've drawn six games and lost four. And I mean, Newell's have lost three. Yeah. They're second. They're only a point behind the leaders. Cause, mainly because they've hardly drawn any. They've won eight and drawn one. So the key um, in Argentine football is to win a lot of games. Indeed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a we can, of course. We can pass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why they call it the English average. Because, um, you know. Win your home games, draw your away ones. Supposedly, that, that's what Argentines think that English clubs try and do in order to win a title. Right. Um, it turns out that they actually do just go hell for leather in every match, seemingly. Uh, Lanús are the only unbeaten team. Seven wins, five draws, no defeats. Six goals conceded in 12 matches. And on that note, we will say uh, goodbye. We will see you. Well, you'll hear us again. We won't see you uh, for another week next, next week uh, when we will be discussing Boca's chances of closing the deal against Corinthians I thought they're quite unlikely to play a starting 11 uh, against San Lorenzo on Saturday and looking back on another enjoyable week of Torneo Final action uh, for now it's goodbye from English Dan goodbye goodbye from Joel goodbye and goodbye from me goodbye goodbye <laughs>